Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Carrillo. Today we have MC Lobsher. MC is a wealth strategist and educator. He's a president and CEO of Producers Wealth, the host of the popular investing podcast, Cashflow Ninja, and a Grant Cardone certified coach. His purpose and mission is to help producers and creators create, protect, and multiply their wealth in any economy and challenges existing societal belief systems and misinformation around concepts such as saving money, investing, wealth, and retirement. So thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Great to connect. So um, I want to kind of dig in a little bit and see exactly what your background was prior to starting your uh, your current business, which is Producers Wealth. Oh, absolutely. So uh, I have a background in, uh, in investing and finance. So I have an MBA in finance and marketing. So uh, I started my journey, boy, I just turned 41. So about uh, almost 20 years ago. Uh, in two, around 2001, I came to the United States from South Africa. So I actually grew up in South Africa, born and raised there and schooled, um, traveled after, um, after university um, and traveled around the world a little bit. I played in, uh, I played in a rugby league in the U.S., mm. so played competitive sports. And that's a big part of my background, too, is, is, is being a competitive athlete and competing at, at, at a pretty high level, um, which helps me a lot in business, believe it or not. Uh, businesses and sports are very similar. Um, and then while I was actually traveling a lot um, and playing, um, I started reading and my mom handed me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which a lot of your audience and listeners are probably familiar with. And that took me down the rabbit hole to learn everything that I could about investing, about money, uh, how money works and um, uh, how the game of money works and cash flow investments. So, that's kind of my background. I bought my first property right you know, a couple of months after I, I read that book and then school started, the real school um, started, right? Uh, but I've always been interested in economics. I've always been interested in history. I've always been interested in finance because um, I feel that we don't, we never get the full picture, right? If somebody just studies economics, they get one, one side of the story. If they just study history, for example, they get another side of the story. And if they study money, that's another side of the story, finance. So I'll give an example of what, I'm, what I mean, because your listeners are probably like, what is it? <laughs> bring that all together for us, MC. Well, here's how I would bring it all together. So for example, like if you look at all the major wars, the First World War, the Second World War, and you look at, uh, now that's the history part, you look at the economic part, well, what happened during those times, in economic times, right? Well, there was a lot of market crashes and there was a lot of bad times for a lot of people. And then you look at the money side of it, the finance, the money game, well, it just so happens that in 1913, the Federal Reserve Act was passed and the Federal Reserve was created to now fund what the U.S. involvement in World War One. So there's a there's bringing it all together for you at that stage. So that fascinated me. That's that's my background. How it pertains to producers' wealth is we figured out that there's a game. 
that is being played. Uh, the wealthiest families, um, uh, individuals, and uh, corporations and financial institutions know this game extremely well. They play it very well. So we looked at what they were doing with their own money as opposed to what they're telling everyone else to do with their own money. And it produces wealth. We help folks do um, what wealthy families, corporations, and financial institutions do with their own money. So that's uh, that's it in a nutshell, my yeah. background a little bit before uh, producers' wealth and cash flow ninja. Yeah, it's definitely a difference between uh, what wealthy like family offices do. If you ever spoke to anybody that manages family offices, compared to what your average American does, it's a completely, it's a whole different ballgame. Uh, complete, so op- complete, complete opposite, yeah. right? So it's yeah. almost like uh, you know, it's almost like a Seinfeld episode. Where, remember <laughs> when George was running and he's saying you know, Jerry, that my entire life is the opposite of what it should be. <laughs> so if I just did the opposite of everything that I did, then I would have that life, right? So it's almost, it's almost similar because think about it. Um, you know, they are telling you a lot of what fi- corporations and financial institutions tell, tell you to do. And what's marketed to us is, hey, you've got to save, right? You've got to save your money. You, well, what do they do with their own money? They turn it over and over and over. Hey, you have to buy a primary resident. Invested real estate, you buy primary residence, right? Which is their asset, by the way, the bank's asset. It is an asset. You know, Robert Kiyosaki said, your house is not an asset. It is an asset. It's the bank's asset. So, um, and what do they do? Well, if you look at financial institutions and banks and insurance companies, they're the biggest institutional investors of commercial real estate. And there's a reason for that. I mean, these tall buildings that you see all over major American cities, who owns them? They do. They understand the power of real estate. Um, So tying into that opposite, I always say to folks that the the same asset classes are available to everyone, you know, real estate, businesses, commodities, paper assets, you know, with the stocks, bonds, life insurance, and so forth. But so we all have the exact same access to the same asset classes, Mm -hmm. but what we do with them, the strategies is the complete opposite. You know, I'll give you an example with the stocks too, where the majority of the population are invested through qualified retirement plans, you know, because Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos, all those guys have 401ks and IRAs, right? No, they don't. Um, But so folks invest in the stock market through them. And what, what do they do? They buy and hold. They just buy stocks and sit and hold. What do the professionals do, right? They trade. And if they buy a stock in a company, which Buffett is actually not a stock trader, he's in buying companies. He hedges himself with options, for example, and collects income on those options, by the way. So there's a different way, uh, a strategy for all these folks. They just do the complete opposite, basically, than what what the general public does. Yeah. It's interesting because one of my buddies that's a uh, financial advisor, he would tell me, he's like, my, one of my most difficult parts of my business is competing with people that are investing in real estate. Cause he's like, I can't compete with a 15% return. So it's, um, you know, for if, if someone's buying commercial real estate and it's leveraged, you know, which is a pretty normal full total return. Um, yep. so you describe yourself as obsessed with cash flow. So how did that work? Did that work after, you know, you, you found out about that after Robert Kiyosaki and that's what you've kind of formulated everything around for your business. Yeah. I was just obsessed with it because, um, well, here's the story. I read the book. I took action. I mean, nobody tells you the stuff in school, right? They don't teach you in high school how to buy assets that 
produces monthly income. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not a concept that's taught in mm -hmm. schools and universities. So I took action. I bought uh, the, the first investment property and I still remember that, um, you know, and this was, this was a, um, this was like a condo ish building, uh, two bedroom, two bath. Um, I paid all of the um, things that I needed to pay mortgage insurance, all that stuff, all of my expenses after I received my rent. And at the end of the month, I had money left. And I'm like, whoa, this is ridiculous. So I paid all, this is mine to keep. This is positive cash flow. And my first thought at that stage was, how many times can I do this? How many units can I own that after I pay all the expenses every single month, I get, I have money left over, right? Mm -hmm. So that was a complete paradigm shift, you know, and folks talk a lot about, I've been asked by people, hey, what's the greatest deal that you've done or the best deal that you've done? And I always say to them, it doesn't matter what deals I do now, that one deal, as small as it was, was my biggest deal because of the way that I started thinking and the mm -hmm. way that my paradigm shifted, my mind shifted. So I started to see the world in a completely different way. Um, and that's when I started realizing that, hey, this is what the, the pros do. And listen, it wasn't perfect after that. School started, as I said, as any real estate investor would tell you, hey, guess what? People don't pay their rent. Hey, guess what? People <laughs> might beat up your place, right? All this stuff happened after that. But the way that I thought and the way that I saw the world started changing, and that's when I became obsessed with cash flow. And then I started seeing, hey, there's people that actually buy businesses in this way uh, and don't work in the business, but work on the business, right? Mm -hmm. They have a team running for them and it's a passive income generator for mm -hmm. them. You know, Henry Ford had like a great quote where he said, you know, don't work too hard. Uh, people work so hard that they forget about uh, making money, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So, um, which means just basically don't work inside the business, work on the business. Um, and then I looked at other asset classes and it was the same thing where the pros invested for cash flow. Mm -hmm. They don't invest just to buy something and hopefully it appreciates and sell it at a, at a higher price. Um, and if you look at what happened then, I mean, this was in 2001, we went through the big upswing, we had the big crisis, right, the housing crisis and the financial crisis, folks that actually invested for cash flow, um, most of them came out okay and stayed through that. Nobody came out perfect, you know, through that storm. But, you know, you came out okay on the other end if you invested for cash flow. Yeah, the people with appreciation were the ones that that kind of got crushed in that, especially if they didn't have, if their debt wasn't being covered and stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely true. When, when I started out and we had smaller units and I, you, you'd have that, like what you're saying, um, you know, someone beats up your unit, someone leaves, you have to evict someone. And uh, the thinking would be, oh, less units, but the thinking's really more units and scale that because when you have the scales of economy, costs go down, but also that you have a lot more income streams coming in. Right. So unless you're just buying in like D-class properties and stuff like this, if you're buying in normal C, B properties, um, you know, your, your paying tenants are going to take care of all your non-paying tenants. And then, it, you know, you can just build off that. But right. um, so what is producer's wealth and how do you work with business owners and investors? So uh, we're, I call us a wealth creation uh, firm because we don't actually manage any money. Uh, mm -hmm. We just, we do help with strategy and it's actually an insurance brokerage. Okay. Again, back to, you know, uh, another uh, product clause where there's so many different worlds associated. 
uh, with it. Um, so I'll give you an example. We actually uh, help people create their own banking system uh, with life insurance contracts um, to leverage to go and invest in real estate. So a lot of our clientele mm -hmm. are in business owners and investors. You know, a four-step process is very simple. We'd like to keep things very simple. Is if you've got to create money, cash creation. You know, you mm -hmm. have to create and produce for the marketplace as a business owner or as an investor. You know, let's just say you're a surgeon or a lawyer. You're doing as a W-2, but that's your unique ability, right? That's your high income school skill set that's how you create money the second portion of that is well the money that you the money has to reside somewhere you've got to make money now you have to protect money where do you position capital efficiently aligned with your goals to move you forward so for example if you're a business owner why would you give your money to a financial advisor to put in stocks bonds and mutual funds and technically invest in someone else's business that money should be positioned so that you can invest back into your own business to scale and grow your own business. And if you're an investor, same thing. You know, I see folks come to us and they want financial freedom through real estate, but they have all these IRAs and, and 401ks in stocks, you know, in different vehicles, but they want financial freedom through real estate. So how do you position that capital efficiently to align with that goal, right? Because it doesn't make sense that I want to do one thing. Well, I want to drive to LA, but guess what? I'm getting on a plane, you know, to Toronto. It's, it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. So um, that's the second part of it is capital positioning. And that's where we use the life insurance contracts. Um, and then through a strategy of collateralizing the life insurance contract, we then leverage the money inside there that's guaranteed growing tax-free earning dividends with a death benefit for, um, for estate planning to then invest in real estate that produces cash flow or businesses. And then the money, the cash flow from that is just warehoused back in the insurance contracts. And then the fourth mm -hmm. step is cash control, tax strategy. We've got great tax strategy partners in our um, in our network and then estate planning, asset protection and so forth. So that's another one of my obsessions. I've never thought I would be obsessed with cash flow, taxes and life insurance, but <laughs> that's the, you know, it's kind of crazy when I say that out loud, even I might need to speak to someone, but um, <laughs> that's, that's what I learned from what wealthy folks do is they make their money, they protect their money, they wear us at somewhere to collateralize it, meaning they use that asset to acquire another asset, which is a very strange concept to a lot of folks. It was for me first, but we do it all the time. In real estate, uh, let's just say you have a single family investment property. You can actually get a HELOC on that to tap mm -hmm. into the equity to buy another property. You used one asset without selling it to buy another one. Business owners can get a credit line or a business loan secured by their business. We just had someone in our network he has a business. He went into the bank and he got a business loan secured by the receivables and the assets of the mm -hmm. business. So what did he do with it? He bought the building from which his business was operating from. So what did he do there? He used his business without selling his business to buy real estate. You could do the same thing with commodities. It's called commodity-backed finance with art, with gold and silver. You could do the same thing with stocks and bonds. It's, it's called asset-based lending, where uh, there's certain financial institutions that will actually give you a loan secured by a stock portfolio. 
Um, and you could even do it with Bitcoin. I don't endorse this, but there's a company that actually does that. So if you have Bitcoin, you can collateralize Bitcoin to buy real estate, for example. We do the same thing with life insurance because with real estate, with life insurance contracts, the whole life insurance contracts that we use, you overfund it. So there's a period of time that you pay into us, just like you would pay a mortgage from a real estate property, right? Um, there's, there's appreciation. So the death benefit appreciates in the contract every year, just like a real estate property would if you take care of it and do it properly. But as you're making payments, you build up equity in the, into the contract much faster than in real estate. But as you do with real estate as well, when you pay the mortgage and the principal, and then you get to tap into the equity of the, of the life insurance contract, just like you tap into the equity of real estate through a policy loan. In real estate, you have a HELOC. It's both a credit line, right? And then you get to leverage the money to then invest into other assets. So, and of course, the tax-free growth and the invisibility, it's an invisible asset. So it's a lawsuit proof in most, most of the states as well. Makes it a preferred vehicle for us. And as opposed to the other asset classes that I just mentioned for my personal taste, I'm very conservative, so I love something that's guaranteed, that's guaranteed, uh, that is the guaranteed growth, growing tax-free, um, and that's not a, a moving floor underneath me, which stocks would, for example, be, right? Right. Um, so, and we just copied and pasted what the strategy from family offices, basically. So, looked at what they were doing, um, and for folks listening to this for the first time, if you research what banks and financial institutions do, if you just Google bank owned life insurance or corporate owned life insurance, you know, you could type in Jeffrey Umult, GE life insurance, that type of stuff. You'll see it. You'll see that this is what banks and corporations do already for a lot of key employees and also banks, for example, uh, whereas a lot of their tier one capital, which is the capital, their safest capital uh, in life insurance. And what's the other vehicle? real estate. Mm -hmm. All of their tier one capital, most of it, if you look at the graphs, is either in life insurance or real estate. So we just cop we we just study very closely what all the all of these entities do and we implement and execute similar strategies. Yeah, it's very interesting because with family offices, if you look at their strategies, um, it's really keeping everything in house. So they they keep and um, it's it's very it, it's not normal when you look at it compared to what the traditional person does because everything is kept as much as possible in, in the office. And um, so why is it so important for an individual, an individual investor or business owner to have their own banking system, as you say? Yeah. So for the, the first thing is access to capital, you know, investors have need access to capital, the same as business owners, right? So what do they do? Well, as an investor, they raise capital from other investors. Or as a business owner, you have to walk into a bank. Mm -hmm. So when you build up your own quote unquote bank first, your business bank or your family bank or just your own bank, um, now all of a sudden you have a place where your money is safe, growing and liquid that you can utilize for your own, to grow your own business and to invest into your own deals and then keep the cash flow uh, and manage the cash flow so you're the beneficiary. Think, because this is exactly what banks do. Banks take takes in capital, right? They acquire capital from depositors, right? Like they used to in the old days. I'm not talking what's going on right now. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. But in the old days, they acquire capital from 
from uh, depositors. They would take that money that was deposited into their bank and they would loan it out. And there's a spread between the two and the bank was the beneficiary overall. The bank was the, the entity that make money from the system, from this inflow and outflows of capitals. Mm -hmm. You can set it up and structure it the same way so that you're the beneficiary of the capital that flow in and out of your life. I'll give you an example. A mentor of mine said, you know, MC, think about the earth as one big giant pool of water. You know, the oceans are all connected. The oceans are connected to the rivers. The rivers are connected to the oceans. And then there's underground water, which is connected to the rivers, which is connected to the oceans. If you think about it, the giant pool of water on earth is just all connected because, you know, let's just say there's, it, it gets hot, there's condensation, clouds form, the water comes down to the earth. Where does the water go? It ends up in this giant pool of water, oceans, rivers, underground water. It's all connected like pipes. Again, the Seinfeld reference. But the same thing can be said with money. If you really truly think about it, that the commercial banking sector the money always ends back in commercial banks. You know, if you and I go out for a drink uh, and, and something to eat at a restaurant, all of a sudden the money is then taken out from our bank accounts and credited to the merchant account of that particular, you know, institution. They pay their employees. I mean, it, I, you, you see where I'm going with this. Yeah. It goes on and on, but where does the money actually end up? Well, it ends up back in commercial banks. So they figured out that whole pool of water, pool of money concept. You could do the same thing, you know, if with a properly structured cash flow management system and insurance contracts. Um, and by the way, there's a reason that, that these banks and financial institutions and family offices do it as well. Another thing that I didn't talk about is the opportunity cost you know, which a lot of folks forget about that. You know, we could buy something, example, for, for cash. We don't have the cash anymore, but we have, we have whatever we acquired, the asset, right? Or we could just borrow money to purchase an asset, right? Now we have the asset, but we owe a lot of money. Well, what if you had your own system that you can leverage and maybe combine with someone else's to purchase an asset where you still have money growing, liquid, hmm. you know, as if you've never touched it, and you've acquired that other asset. Use one asset to acquire another asset. Eliminates opportunity cost. And this is, by the way, if you count, you know, or keep track of this over your lifetime, this could be very, very, very expensive. So, um, and you know, you want to be as tax efficient too. You know, you guys talk about real estate all the time. Um, the game of money is is taxes and debt in the end, right? And cash flow management. So um, it, it fits in really nice with the model. Um, and, you know, and it doesn't have to be the, the, the way that, you know, we use life insurance for your audience because I'm just trying to provide value for them. Think of something that you can use within your own personal business economy that you can leverage or position more efficiently so that they could do many things for you in your overall wealth strategy. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, so you work with so many different investors and business owners. What are some of the mistakes you commonly see investors and business owners make? Um, over and over. The first thing, the biggest mistake that they uh, make is they, they, they um, don't take taxes seriously. And what I mean by that is most business owners and investors overpay for taxes. I, I thought I was doing a great tax job and I had a team. I overpaid for taxes. Um, 
this is one of the biggest, I would say, uh, things that could really, really uh, move the needle for your business or for your invest investments. Because what I learned, I actually sit in a family office with, with a couple of advisors. You know, it's like a kid in a candy store thinking like, oh my goodness, I'm going to see all of this, all the good stuff. Show me all the good stuff. And what they, what they, what they showed me was so simple. Um, it amazed me, number one, how simple everything is that they do in there. And the second thing was the focus on taxes, because as one of the advisors said to me, MC, think about it this way. If we can reduce taxes for this specific family, let's just say we can knock off 15 to 20% of their taxes this year, and in the next five years, 10, 15, 20, and so forth. And they could use that money to put back into their businesses and their investments. There's no return out in the marketplace that could, that, that's going to beat that. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to snowball the growth of your business. It's going to snowball the growth of your investments because all of a sudden you have more money now to use to do that. Um, so a couple of tax strategies, you know, if you look at from, from, a, from and, I'm not, and I'm not a CPA or a tax advisor and I don't play one on YouTube, but the, one of the things that I would say is look at your investments and how you, for number one, how you make your money and number two, where you position your money because that used huge tax advantages there and then how you deploy it so in our framework that i that i mentioned earlier cash creation as a business owner in the united states there's so much incentive for business owners to reduce taxes and so many tax advantages because the federal government does not want to be in the the business of creating products and services for people yeah. they need in entrepreneurs, which drives innovation to do that. So there's incentives. Then from a capital positioning standpoint, life insurance is the bedrock of a lot of our society, right? Um, and that's the role that it's played for a lot of families. So if somebody, let's just say, passes away or suffers a loss, uh, they're made being made whole, not including obviously the emotional uh, component uh, financially. So there's incentives there to put to put allocate capital in that area because money, money gets to grow tax free in those vehicles. Then if you look at investments, the federal government doesn't want to be a landlord. You know, I think like a lot of the, um, a lot of the, the, the housing that they are involved with loses millions of dollars every single year. So they don't want to be involved with that at all. So they want, they want real estate entrepreneurs to take that role to provide good quality housing for the population. And therefore, there are many, many tax incentives for real estate investors to do so. You know, the same with energy, the federal government wants to, you know, uh, obviously increase the innovation that goes into cleaner energy. So there's a ton of tax incentives there. Um, you know, there's a lot of different avenues for investing that not only provides great cash flow, but it also reduces your taxes legally because of the service that it provides to society. Um, and it's doing the things that the government wants it to do, right? So yeah. that's just, a, a, I, I guess, a take on taxes more than a strategy. But I think for everyone listening to this, figure out how, how you can make your capital and how you can make it more tax efficiently, how you can position it more tax efficiently, and then how you can deploy it and invest it in, into assets that not only produces cash flow but reduces the tax burden. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, on the other hand, what kind of recurring themes and habits do you see from successful investors and business owners that you work with? 
they live very intentionally in all areas of their life. If I have to look at the, the most successful people that I've interviewed and that I've spoken to and that are clients, they're very intentional about what they do. And they have a plan for every single dollar that comes into their own economy. Because if they don't, they know they'll fall prey to Parkinson's law, which, you know, it just quickly stated the more money you make, the more money you spend. And if you don't have a plan for a dollar that comes into your own pers personal business economy, all of us, all of a sudden that money now has plans, right? And toys, yeah. toys end up in your house or in your business, right? Or in your driveway. So you've got to be very intentional um, uh, with your life in all areas, but they're very intentional with their plan and what they're looking to accomplish. Interesting. Um, one other, one other uh, kind of strategy that you talk about with, and we, we touched on it briefly, was multiplying your capital. Yes. So with, with, this, uh, with this term, and how, how does that work with someone, if they're a real estate investor, if they're a business owner, how, how, can, you, how can someone bring that into their own business and into their investments? Yeah, so uh, the, the whole concept of multiplying capital instead of just growing it is when you have uh, when you have one dollar doing many different jobs in your own business or your personal economy, now all of a sudden you're really moving the needle. I'll give you a case study of what, what mm -hmm. I'm talking about. So we have an investor client of ours. He's about 40 years old, right about the same age as me, better looking. But he, um, he invests in, he loves mobile home parks. So he's a big investor in mobile home parks. Um, so he actually wanted to allocate a certain amount of capital every year to invest in mobile home park syndications. That's going to pay about 8%. And the capital he allocated was about $200,000 per year. And by the way, if you're listening to this, this is just, you know, a, basically an, an example. You can take off the zeros if you want or add some more zeros, but, 200,000 is what he was going to invest in mobile home parks paying 8% and his passive income goal was $360,000 per year, basically. So we ran some numbers for him. If he just did it and every year without even reinvesting the capital, it would take about 22 and a half years, if my math is correct, for him to be able to deploy 4.5 million, um, which would bring him $360,000 per year of passive income just from the mobile home parks. Now, if he reinvested, obviously the cash flow, that would knock it down significantly. It'd be around 11 to 12 years, I would say, um, if my math is correct, um, for, for him to, to be at his target, right? His passive income target. So what we did was we ran it through a life insurance contract first and then deployed the capital into the investment. And then we looked at the results and it's the same thing. You know, he would take about 20 years by funding it, the, the life insurance contract first, and then leveraging that contract to then invest in the mobile home parks. We're talking about 20 years. You would have $4.5 million deployed. Great. $360,000 per year. Again, we didn't reinvest the cash flows. So, if we reinvested the cash flows, it would be about the same 11 to 12 years, give or take around about in that time frame, where he would still hit his goal. And this is great. If you look at it from a big picture, though, there's one thing that we noticed in 20 years where he would reach its target. He had an additional $1.46 million tax-free in his life insurance contract by running it through there first and then leveraging it to deploy mm and invest in mobile home parks. Now, 1.46 million, I don't know about you, but that's a lot of money for me. Um, 
So that's what we mean about just tweaking a little bit what folks are doing because um, they're already cash flow ninjas, as I call them. So we're tweaking a little bit of what they were doing. And now all of a sudden, you know, there's $1.46 million extra tax-free. doesn't have to pay taxes on that in 20 years. Now you're starting to really steamroll and putting some, a little bit of rocket fuel on what you're doing. So that's what we're, that's what we're talking about. If you think about, you know, uh, the examples within your own life or in your business life or people that, you know, I, you know, brought up an example of another person in our network that used these business to acquire the real estate that he's in. If you run the math on that, you know, now you're not just adding and having the slow, slow growth or a little bit of compound growth. Now you're starting to multiply, uh, capital, um, mm -hmm. You know, and there's, by the way, there's many forms of capital too. This is just the financial capital piece. You know, we talk about multiplying your mental capital and your relationship capital. And there's obviously strategies to do that too. But those are just examples where you're getting into now the zone of, you know, instead of just adding and subtracting, now we're multiplying and we're now putting right. a little bit of rocket fuel on what we're doing. Awesome. That's very interesting. It's a different, uh, it's definitely a different, goal, a different plan to get to the same goal, but um, just a little different um, on the way there. So how can uh, listeners learn more about you and your business? Uh, if they're interested in these strategies and they want to look into it, uh, we put a free video course together. It's at yourownbankingsystem.com. It's yourownbankingsystem.com where we basically talk strategy. We talk about tactics. We show mm -hmm. case studies of all of this. Um, and then we answer frequently asked questions in this too. So um, if they're interested, you know, feel free to check it out. Okay. Sounds good. I'll put that link into uh, the show notes. So I want to thank you so much for being on the show today and uh, look forward to uh, touching base with you shortly. Thank you so much. It was a, it was a blast. Have a great day. Bye. Hi guys, this is Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in investing in real estate and you don't know where to begin, set up a free 15-minute strategy call with me at schedulecharles.com. That's schedulecharles.com. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Harborside Partners Incorporated exclusively.